Hello, listener. Welcome back to Serendipity City. We're going to jump right in with the gang meeting up at the bar after the events of the last few days. I was still pretty sick during this recording, but after this episode, I promise that it's cough-free audio all the way. Also, make sure to listen to the outro or check the show notes for some updates about the Discord, the Patreon, and some other cool things. Without further ado, please enjoy the episode. The next time you guys are all in the bar together, I'm assuming... So Iroh uh, took a shoulder wound, uh, so yes. Iroh was probably recently patched up. Yep. I don't know. I imagine Vex might still be looking a little bit rough because I'm picturing this as being like the same day as Dolores patching you up and you all managed to get in the bar together at the same time, probably like evening ish. I imagine that like um, everybody's had a little bit of a chance to recuperate and this is just like the next time that you guys all convene at the bar. Yes. Quick question. Uh, Does patched up mean healed or Um, so that's a very good question. That is a very good question. (laughs) So before the before the gameplay, like before the actual gameplay starts, everybody will be back at full health for like the purposes of this narrative scene i imagine that everybody that everybody who took damage in their respective most recent missions is still like visibly harmed so iroh probably still has like a big shoulder bandage vex probably still has i don't even remember what all was wrong with vex but she probably I had just several looks, grazings you had several <laughs> bullet grazings i'm probably uh got comically large band-aids and <laughs> I'm probably really surly. <laughs> and As fancy, opposed to your normal. Yeah, and Fancy's probably not wearing heels because she had a sprained ankle. Oh. That's about the only thing that's not yeah. about her. So maybe you've got, like, maybe you're sitting in a booth with an ice pack on your ankle or something. Yeah. Charles was relatively unscathed, though. Charles and Fox are, like, super, super great. He had, like, a, a, like well, a little head wound from when we bumped heads. <laughs> well, Fox has the half-melted shoe. Yes, Fox does have just a half-melted shoe. Just bursts into flight. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's I, what happens when you put out trash can fires. With your- I, Iroh will slouch down into the booth uh, across and uh, say, what happened? Oh, God, what didn't happen? It was just a disaster. <laughs> I fucking hate this job. <laughs> So we had this lady come in. There was like a missing person. You know, we had to deal with that. And then there was this big old giant metal motherfucker. Mega golem. Oh, my God. Fuck that shit. I don't know. Charlie, you talk to him. I'm bleeding over here still. Well, we found a guy named Wiley or Wyatt or Western Wear or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) He, I don't know, double crossed I'm not sure. Bottom line. Dwarves we, were involved. We had to go to a bar and then make them golems. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, basically we rescued this guy from about like a like a weird sort of BDSM scene. And <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. I mean. Ball gags and leather helmets. Gags. There were no ball way gags. More you said, ba- you said bounding gags. I said bounding gags. When you say gagged, I assume ball gags. What other kind of gag is there? <laughs> a handkerchief? A sock? No, that's a hank. Okay, well. Yeah. It's still like, so when you it's take, still sexy, what do you do with no that sock? What you do. And you gag, do you ball up that you ball up, oh no. What do you know? A ball what gag. Do you know? Yep, there you go. <laughs> anyway. A ball-shaped gag of some sort. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that like, we're five minutes in and already discussing Right, gags. right, 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 right. So we saved, we saved this guy and then a giant robot with runes chased us down. I almost had that motherfucker too. I did. I almost had him. Yeah, she kept hitting him with lightning. And, and then there was the smell of fried yeah. chicken in the air. It was I'm a big sure. metal motherfucker and he wouldn't go down, but I almost had him. If I could just get one more, if I could have just gotten one more, I would have had him. That's a great deal more adventurous than us. I just fell down some stairs. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, I, I got shot also. It's, it, this this wasn't from the stairs. but Okay, I'm glad that a, a set of stairs doesn't have the ability to wield a gun now. Because well, well, <laughs> uh, they're already killing me most of the time anyway. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past them. We, were, we ran into some di- very difficult doors. 
if uh, perhaps a stair is inhabited by the same sort of spirit <laughs> beheld these doors, then the spirit you, may indeed be able to possess and operate a handgun. You ran into possessed doors? <laughs> it's not clear necessarily that that's what the spirit's intent <laughs> so he was. He whispered at it, and, and we discovered things. <laughs> so therefore... There's a genie involved in some way. I was way. granted guidance by some sort of otherworldly force that happened to, at that time, be inhabiting a door. Are you sure that there wasn't just someone on the other side of the door? Yeah, What's important is that Ira fixed that. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounded like you needed me. <laughs> just so. Anyway, we were there on behest of some Zephyr. that uh, She told us the Fae had been absconding with people, but things had gone bad even for them. Pointed us to some address, and all we found was uh, some records seemed to do with human trafficking. Were they it's- in a dossier? <laughs> It's difficult to tell. They were on fire and in a wastebasket by the time we found them. Us too. Oh my God, that sounds so strange. Did you see any trace of the gray coats? One of them took a shot at me. No, we didn't see That's Baldwin, Feltz, and Co. We did see some gray coats. (laughs) Didn't we? Yes. You even barbecued one of them. I did. (laughs) We shot the face off of ours. Uh, I'm scared of no gray coats. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. The the kid here took a... took the mouth off of one of them. Good shot. Thank you. I'm very proud of dismembering. Killings. I mean, <laughs> like yes, <laughs> yeah. yes to all of the above. Yeah, yeah that's that's, fine. that's I fine. I did shoot someone from point blank range in the head, so I got some talking to my god to do. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's see, that, that, that seems to me a little more sane reaction. <laughs> like I'm, I'm proud of you for protecting us. Listen, but, buddy, I'm half demon. Okay. <laughs> is, does Dairo know that already? I think does. I don't know. Actually, oh. that's an interesting. You know what? Forget note. I said anything. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that's a tremendous thing to reveal. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed it was like common knowledge. I mean, yeah. Well, no, I was wondering about that when we were talking about taking your demon form. I was gonna be like, does I roll? Yeah. So we'll have to well, figure that out like, the first time yeah. you do that on a camera. Of, a lot of times, you can sort of tell when somebody's biracial. You look at them. <laughs> so why not? Like, are you by demon? Yeah. 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 I, mean, I mean, like, do you, you can know like what? just kind of see some scales. Yeah, like, I was thinking, what is is Fox's physical appearance? To, like, I, I think it'd be cute if they had like little nubs, little nubs. In the demon form, he definitely has has horns. I'm not so sure about the human form. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be. Yeah. So one of the things that I thought about was that it would be interesting if like if Fox starts to lose control of his emotions, if like the demon form starts to flicker like through fade, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, but Nor- Fox hasn't been as normal human. I imagine you're just sort of like severe rather than like, not necessarily like obviously like infernal, but mm-hmm. definitely like sort of sharper. Look uh, I yeah. person. Yeah. If oh. you do, if you do turn into a demon, let me know because Iroh is definitely demon curious. <laughs> uh, I think there was one name intact on the, the ledger. What, what was yeah. it again? You expect me to remember that? Did y'all not grab the ledger? What is going on here? <laughs> well, you know, it was on fire at the time. You didn't try to Mon- put Montiato, it out? that was it. Montiato. Montiato? Montiamato? Yes. Ah. Mm. We have a Montiamato in our, our dossiers. dossiers. Oh. Okay. Sounds like whoever this is might have something to do with these folks going missing. Shit. Sounds like we're going to need more weapons. <laughs> <laughs> I got a gun. I think I have a gun too now. I, I think, think I lost, everybody all, has guns I lost all my guns, didn't except I? Except for Vex. Yeah, everybody has a gun now except for Vex. But I Vex went has... from being the tank to not. Thank God, <laughs> I don't want to be that. Okay, so it sounds like we're kind of working towards the same kind of thing. We got to figure out who this Monty guy is. No. no. 
you know, so what you know, based on he the went pre- on that interview, but I forget who it was with. Yeah. So he went on the interview, Meryl. the person that, yeah, the person that Evan met at the interview was Meryl Warwick, who is a middle manager ah. at um, Blair Metal. Uh, Monty Amano, what you found out, what you three found out on your last mission is that he was double crossing the Bindle Punks. He was feeding information on the anarchists to um, the metal company. And I'm the only one that knows what he looked right? Yes, yes, you're the only okay. one that knows what he looks like because you saw him in Divisions. Okay. Yes. Well, I think that recap will help us now. Yes. So I think, do y'all want to like start this interaction over with the y'all have found? Okay. We had a Monte Amano in our dossiers, didn't we? Yeah, and I went into a Vision Crest uh, right before we went on our last mission and he works at Blair Metal. He has dark hair, blue eyes. He looks he looks kind of like Sebastian Stan. Um, there's there's a really funny picture of Sebastian Stan that was going around the internet, which compared Sebastian Stan as Bucky in Captain America, like um, in the first Captain America, to this other role that he's playing where he looks like he looks bad. He looks like maybe he has a meth problem in this other role. And so and he's a little more like that. So he, he looks like Sebastian Stan, but he looks like Sebastian Stan with like some cheekbones hollowed out. He's like kind of wiry, muscly um, in that way that you can't tell if this person is naturally lean or like if they aren't eating enough. But he's still like handsome. And that is what Monte Amano looks like. And he also um, is with the Vindel Punk. So we could check out there, too. Well, he was double. He was so he was double crossing the Bindle Punks, and Wyatt knows that, and has now been returned to the Bindle Punks. Oh, so his yeah. identity there is burned. He will probably not be going back to the Bindle Punks. You know, to be super dope is if we got an inside man, Baldwin Felsenko, like an inside, like a mole. Like we could go on a reverse mole hunt, right? <laughs> you mean like a like a groundhog or something like that? Or yeah, like something <laughs> else that sticks out of the ground rather than goes inside of it. It's a prairie dog, if you want prairie dog. That's a good one there. Yeah, like that could be your code name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I need one, but we need Fair. somebody who sounds like Baldwin Feltz and Company are going to be a problem, right? They're a problem for us. They're a problem for y'all. We keep killing them. Yeah, I, mean, I, I doubt after we barbecued that one guy that they'll stop coming. I, mean, I don't think that's going to deter them any. These yeah. guys shot at us. Fuck them. Let's no, no, take that's, them that's down. That's fine. That's fine. We're going to make like a whole lot of widows in this process. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we could get some inside information. That's all, that's all I'm saying. It would be interesting, if at all possible, there was a person that we could use from the inside of Baldwin Felton Company to get us some information that might be helpful so we stop murking these fools. Isn't that literally what the Bendel Punks were doing, though, with Wyatt? And he almost fucking died. He no, was at he Blair was Metal. Blair Metal. We need to get it. I'm talking Although, about... Although, like, t- to her point, um, if he almost died working, like, going undercover at the metal company, how do you think it's going to go going undercover at the uh, armed security forces? He's not talking no, about us going I'm undercover. Saying- He's, like cornering someone and get them to talk about what information they got yes. or like this, this, having a mole oh. inside yeah, of yeah, yeah. right but See, like someone's listening Com- company See, like thought, sorry i thought that you meant that you wanted one of us to go in there no 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 yeah no he's fuck. like no I'm you would die shit <laughs> yeah no uh yeah no no um company that big that sort of person you usually find someone dissatisfied yeah, someone like that might be able to. But turn you'd them. also have to find like a secretary or something where all they have are the files in front of them. You can't go for one of them like higher guys. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to want a grunt and we don't want an executive, but someone who can get us information. You know, you so, want someone that's just connected enough, but is far enough removed that they're dissatisfied and they're willing to do something they might regret. Yeah, and do I, y'all I, have somebody in mind? Because y'all are kind of talking like you do. No, no, I'm just saying we've got we've got some time. It's a hypothetical. Yeah, like our wounds are healing. 
We're not going to charge into battle right now. Is that right? So, you know, if we could think about it. I'm not planning on it. All right. How do we I think we can s- find that person? Some of us have moves. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us have moves. I just want to well, kill all these motherfuckers that graze the shit out of me. <laughs> I don't care if it's a graze or what. You don't. Don't hurt me. I'm done. I'm done with this. They're all going down. I'm burning them. I'm burning all of them. I also all wish right. you had your dossiers that were on fire. That would be so helpful right now. Ooh, she's throwing shade. <laughs> so, I just have moves that is can that one of her really moves? help Throw you. Shade. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she can touch things and tell a you bit. like things, like the backstory of things just by touching them. It's a real neat trick. Oh, that's fascinating. That's so, some sort of... Uh, I, I am your... Um, Storyteller. Uh, <laughs> you're a fortune teller. Is it an oracle? Can you do that with people, too, or only objects? Ooh. Yeah. Um, I okay. like to touch people. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Sorry. Was that, so, okay. You, I think that's the most you've been in character <laughs> since we started this. The camera pulls out as you're discussing like how you're going to get an inside person in Baldwin, Feltz, and Co. And how you're going to approach that problem. And now we're going to go sort of fast forward and just like do some short scenes with what takes up the next like couple of weeks like i'm imagining like a two to three week span so we're just gonna go around um we'll go this way around the table and (laughs) okay we'll go this way around the table and just tell me like what you're doing over the next couple weeks and for some of you i do have some notes so i will like tell you something that's happening and then you can tell me how you're reacting to that in the world so let's start with you vex so I've been really pissed off. I'm really just disgusted with being shot. I, You know, she's going to need a good week at least to even be able to, like, really do anything. Um, so she just kind of sits and, and she's just pissed. Um, and so she's just angry and she does what she can to try to figure what she can out. So she talks to Bugsy, spends a lot of time complaining and just being angry. Okay, so over the next few weeks, one thing that you notice is that things start to get a little odd in your apartment. Um, You will wake up and there is something in a spot that you're pretty sure you didn't leave it in, but you're not sure if you misplaced it before you went to bed or like if you got up in the middle of the night and moved it or if it actually is in a completely different spot than where you left it. You don't hear any noises and you never actually see anything move, but it happens enough that you're starting to seriously wonder if like you're completely losing your mind or if something else is going on. How does Vex handle this? Well, I think Vex is probably pretty sure it's something otherworldly um, because I, Vex, am a wizard and I am I have a portal to another dimension. So I probably check that out first yeah. to be like, all right, is there are there other dimensionally things like trying to make sure that it's secure to where I feel at least, you know, oh, partially sure that that's not what's happening. But I think she's pretty sure. She probably uh, did some like spells and like uh, burned sage and stuff like that. Cause she, I, I think that she would be pretty sure that she knew it was something otherworldly. Yeah. I, I didn't imagine that you were probably going to start seriously questioning your sanity. Um, yeah. So what I'll tell you is that you can't seem to get rid of this, um, but it does not appear. You don't get any kind of like in your spells, you don't get any kind of malicious vibes or anything like that. Nothing indicates that this is something that wills you harm, but things do kind of keep moving and sometimes going missing for a day or two around your apartment and then reappearing. All right, Casper, can you quit ruining this stuff for me? I got too much to do to try to find my keys every five minutes, all right? If you're going to move stuff, then put it places where it's more convenient, not less convenient. Come on. Uh, The next day, after you do that monologue, um, you do find something in a spot that's more convenient than less convenient. Thank you, Casper. (laughs) I imagine, like, I imagine this is that meme that was going around Tumblr where it's, like, me, like, here's weird supernatural noises in the night. 
And then the response is like, listen up, motherfucker. The supernatural thing in this apartment was me and I was here first. So you better behave or get out. Like, I feel like that's very much Vex's attitude, probably. Yeah. Like, I think she's like, this is my apartment and I'm also pretty fucking supernatural. So we can get along. But like just chill like stop making things harder like let's work together i'm i'm wounded <laughs> i'm wounded you can help me out here all right cool so that's vex's like two to three weeks and it sounds quite a bit like the situation evan was describing when he came over of like got drunk and left the portal open again God damn it. <laughs> that does sound like something that would happen <laughs> Though I believe, I think Vex probably, I, I, we haven't really gone into what that portal is, but I have a feeling that she, she sees that with deference. Like, it's probably something that she knows. How, so even when she's wasted, she's not going to be like, let's go party in another dimension. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, that's something, out. yeah, that's something that I'm going to talk to you off screen about at some point. Um, but yeah, so how does Iroh spend his two weeks? Um, so Iroh, I think, is really kind of taking it easy, letting his shoulder heal up, considering, you know, that he's wants to be in fit form next time that he hit, sees some action. Um, and he's spending a lot of time um, hitting the books, um, not literally using the move, hit the books, but just um, taking the opportunity to read up. Um, I think in particular, he's really kind of unnerved by the encounter with a Zephyr and learning that the Fae will just abscond with human beings without thinking that it's like that big a deal for them. And so he's really kind of investigating not just reports from around Serendipity City, but also like older literature. I'm sure he goes back to the bookstore and just finds some older texts and stuff like that, just to sort of brush up on his understanding of the Fae and um, uh, probably spends a little bit of time sitting at the bars, just sort of listening in seeing if you can get a little bit of a understanding of their social workings and that kind of thing. So he's better prepared. Okay, cool. Yeah. So rather than like, um, do an info dump and explain any of that in game, like we'll just, uh, play that out the next time you yeah. like have to, you'll have different knowledge. The next time you interact with the Fae, you'll yeah. have more background knowledge. Cool. And what does Fox do? Uh, Fox is just chilling, waiting for the rest of the crew to get their shit together, spending most of his time hanging around the bar. But I was wondering, because he has the things that he has to do for his patron, like at what point does that come up? We can play that out now. So based Mm -hmm. on the stuff that we had already created, like, I don't know how much you actually interface directly with your patron based on like the stuff that Diego had set up and some of the stuff that you and I had talked about. What I was kind of envisioning was almost like you getting like dead drop letters or something and it would you would like get a letter with like an instructions from your patron and mm-hmm. you know one of the things that um we set up during the world building episode was like your patron or whether under their instructions or under someone else's instructions felt like the werewolves were gaining too much power so like did like a hit on a werewolf um one of their like headquarters basically so that was what I was envisioning. If you have something else in mind, I'm open to hearing it. So I imagine, I think that things are actually pretty quiet from your patron. And this might be unusual in and of itself. Like you probably, I imagine that you probably get like, maybe not necessarily something as big or as violent as like doing, you know, a, a hit on the werewolves. But I imagine that like, you probably don't usually go more than two or three weeks without hearing from your patron. And this entire time it's radio silence, which is like a little unusual in and of itself. But you don't have like any interruption with your powers or anything like that. Um, nothing. So he's a little suspicious about that. But, yeah. You know, not really doing anything about it. Yeah. Just drinking pina coladas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anything, anything other than that, or just kind of like life as usual for Fox? Yeah, pretty much life as usual. I mean, there's nothing really for him to do until they they go back out on their adventure. You know. So. Yeah. All right. What is 
what does Charles, what does Charlie do? I don't know. Charles is sort of conflicted and, and a little bit frustrated. He's been throwing himself into his work a lot recently, trying not to look at the way that the magical world rubs on its edges against the non-magical world, where there are some people who know what's going on and nothing happens to them. Some people do and things happen to them. I've just been trying to keep sane until everything's time to get going again. Charlie's a philosopher. Way more well-rounded than me being like, I'm just pissed off for a couple weeks. I've been like sitting in Charlie for a long time. <laughs> like like off like That's off, hot. off time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real real hot. deep in there. <laughs> All right. Okay, so what is Nancy doing over these two weeks? Um definitely Nancy is doing more readings and trying to get into more parties because she's running low on cash. So She's definitely getting dressed up and going into parties and, you know, taking people home because she doesn't like to be at home, <laughs> um, nor does she like to sleep. So as many hits in a night that she can get. And hey, who wants to be lonely? OK, one of these nights when either you don't take anyone home or you don't go out for some reason, I don't maybe you've like gone a couple days without sleeping very much and you just need a good night's sleep. When you fall asleep, you have a nightmare. You're in a dark space. It feels claustrophobic. It's one of those things where even when there's no light and you can't see, you can sort of get a sense for the space from noises or some subconscious source of information that like we are not great at processing consciously, but you can still tell that the walls are closer than they should be. And the only sound you can hear is your own breathing. The hairs on the back of your neck raise up, warning you that maybe you are not as alone as you thought you were. And you turn slower than you would in real life in that way that sometimes movement is distorted in dreams and it feels like you're moving through water instead of moving at your normal speed. Your stomach starts to feel funny. You're overwhelmed with dread. When you turn, you see two glowing red eyes in the dark. They move towards you, but you don't hear any sounds of movement. You just see them creeping forward. Your movements are still slower than they should be and you try to step backwards, but you feel as though you've run up against a wall. The eyes keep moving forward until they're directly in front of you, completely unblinking. You're locked in a stare for what feels like an eternity, but it's really only a minute or two. Then everything goes black, and you hear a whispered, Help us, before you wake up in a cold sweat. That's <laughs> um, I'm definitely creepy. going to the bar and having a drink after that. <laughs> I have a sense that the eyes or um, the snake, which uh, Nancy is really hates snakes. I go in and I start to do some research and I go into the cards and ask. Because I know I've been putting off looking for my parents for a while. So I just kind of ask for direction at that point and we'll see what they say. Okay. Yeah. So the cards tell you basically um, you're going to, it's like, it's something to the equivalent of like paths are converging, converging, and you're going to find out more information soon. And And I definitely start digging. So cool. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had that happen before, but you know, um, There's a, there's a comic, there's a, was, there was this pagan webcomic and like, there was one that was like, um, when the runes are not cooperating and it was a picture of like runes, like you would throw for a divination, but you know, the runes are a phonetic alphabet and it's spelled out fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it's approximately two weeks later and y'all are at the bar. What time of day do you think it is? Like what time of day is it usually when everyone is at the bar at the same time? Happy hour. (laughs) (laughs) It's like makes the most. No, we do get, we do get free drinks though. Yeah. Right. I know, but it's like, like, that's when the bar opens at happy hour. Yeah. Usually bars open. I feel like, but, um, sorry. And also I was just going to say that like last time that we did this and we met back up, it was like three or four. So that makes sense. Yeah. Can I just 
add like something. So um, I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but Fox has a lizard. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Na- yes, uh, named <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> I blacked out for that part. <laughs> or Link for sure. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, I don't think I talked about. It. I only talked to you. Yeah, no, um, we talked about it. So I was actually going to ask you about that because we talked about it in like the setup part of the episode, uh, and yeah. then Link did not come up during yeah. the play, <laughs> and I assumed that like he was probably chilling out off screen in yeah. Fox's home. Yeah, but. I just kind of forgotten about it, but he does mostly hang out on Fox's shoulder. Um, and when Fox is at the bar drinking, he gets like a little shot glass filled with water and puts it on the table for the lizard. <laughs> is it like That's a gecko? Really yeah. It's super cute. a little gecko. I love this. Little <laughs> Dolores. It's a gecko. Like yeah, a little, a little baby. gecko. Okay, little I was tiny gecko. Like a, like a no, big... it's like a little one. That's adorable. Yeah. Oh, like, I, lo- I love how they got like the little fat ends on their fingers. <laughs> little chubby hands. <laughs> all right, so everybody's at the bar. Are you all sitting at the same booth and like socializing? Or are you kind of scattered around doing your own thing? I feel like we wouldn't all just sit together no. for no reason. I'm, I'm definitely doing a reading or something. You know, I have a little business on the side, so. Okay. I'm probably at the bar flirting with Dolores. Sounds about right. Dolores is flirting back. Yeah, I don't. I still think I'm not feeling well. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, when Ira gets in, he'll bring, um, you know, herbs and limes and stuff from the garden to chop up for Dolores before he does too much else. Nice, cool. So yeah, so um, chow down tacos uh, in the corner. <laughs> when yeah, so want, Charles you want is some in the cilantro corner. for that. <laughs> yeah, cilantro is great. He pulls some cilantro out of one of his pockets, chops it up. Oh yeah, can I share some of that cilantro with the lizard? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Awesome. Dope. Yeah, so everybody's one big happy family, all in the same room, not necessarily socializing, and somebody um, walks in. This is a little unusual. You don't usually see, like, sometimes customers come in, but, like, the bar doesn't get super hopping until, you know, 7 or 8 o'clock at night. So it's a little unusual for someone to be in around, like, 4, um, but it's not completely impossible, obviously. So a man walks in the room. Um, this is a tall man. He has long, dark hair that is pulled back in a braid, um, tan skin. He's got high cheekbones and sort of like a perpetual smirk, green eyes. And he's wearing like, it's a little unusual. It's not like to the point of like freakishness, but he's wearing like a brown tunic over black pants. Um, So it's like, it looks kind of outdated, but like you've seen people in similar wear. This is not, it's not like completely medieval style. So, but he walks in and he recognizes you, Iroh. Actually, he, you also, both Iroh and Nancy recognize this guy. Um, He comes up and he sits down next to Iroh. This man's name is Gale and he lives in the Sacred Grove. So you two did a job for the people in the Sacred Grove because there was some uh, industrial pollution going on and Nancy did like tarot reading and visions to find the source of the pollution and then Iroh with his gardening knowledge helped sort of like weed that out, um, divert Uh, the rivers or whatever. Oh, huh? I did a pun. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you guys like interacted with a couple different people and you recognize this guy. His name is Gale. Uh, you did like talk to him. Um, you know, he's a druid. He's one of the humans that lives in the sacred grove, but you didn't like get to know him super well. Do we part on good terms? Yes. Okay, so good. that, that mission ended on good terms. Um, you helped like get rid of the source of pollution. So you got, both of you got paid. You split the money. Um, everybody was happy. There was, there were no bumps in that mission. And now we get, you know, a discount on the sacred grove garden. <laughs> Iroh turns towards Gale, sir. You, uh, all's well with you, I hope. I wish I could say that, but I actually cannot. I have um, I have something that I might need might need y'all's help with. Is that a corruption that we uh, dealt with coming back? So it's in a manner of speaking. Um, and he sits down and he like waves over to Loris and um, gets like 
a beer? I don't know. Yeah, a beer. He gets a beer. Am I in earshot of this conversation since I was already at the bar? Yeah, like you can hear this. Okay. If you like... This place is small enough that we could probably all hear it, right? Yeah, I imagine, especially since it's relatively empty. Um, So like if he's not, he's not like super trying to hush this because he knows and trusts you to some extent. Sure. He says, yeah, so about that, um, when you helped us before, which we very much appreciate, by the way, the, the, the solution didn't take. Things were great for a while and they, but they've kind of gone backwards and we've done some diagnostics on our end and have realized that the issue, the the industrial pollution, the pollution problem that we came to you about before was actually masking an underlying issue that seems to be magical this time. And since you guys were so helpful before, we thought we would come back to you and see if you can maybe fix it for good because something is seriously wrong with the Grove. And if we don't fix it, we don't know what's going to happen. Oh, I can't leave job half done. When did we become Captain Planet and the Planeteers? When the Mother Earth started paying. (laughs) Okay. That's true. If they're going to pay me, then I'll do the job. All right. Tall, dark, and druid. Keep talking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. So that's basically like all he has to tell you. He's like, well, that's that's pretty much the job. Um, I wish I had more to tell you. I don't. All I can tell you right now is that we know it's magical in origin. Um, but we don't know where it's coming from. There is some kind of psychic or magical or spiritual attack uh, well, being done on the grove. Well, what kind of symptoms are you seeing? What's what's actually happening? They're dying. The the trees are dying. The trees are dying. The dryads are dying. The all of the plants are dying. It's as though something is sapping the life force. Vex, you know anything might be able to do that. I don't know off the top of my head. I might have to go back to my apartment and do some research. But, I mean, it's obvious that it's supernatural in some way. Mm. I don't really, I never really cared about trees very much. So it's not something that I really would know. But I can do some research. He makes a face when you say that you don't care about trees, but he doesn't say anything. The big deal is, are we going to get paid for this? Yes. Gail's Gail's good for it. Yeah, we can pay you. Um, I trust you. I I trust Iroh. I don't (laughs) trust Gail. I get up and I go over to uh, Gail and I ask him, where did they see the most pollution at? So these symptoms have been showing up all over the grove. There's not any one spot. That's part of what's perplexing us because if someone had cursed a particular part of the grove or had buried, you know, had put something in the soil, then it would be localized, but it's not. It's all over the grove. The trees are dying. There's a cave networks under there you guys investigate down there yet i have been down there right to see the dwarves yeah i've been i've been down there many a time i don't think the dwarves would have a reason to do this though so not deliberately yeah we know we know that if the dwarves are doing it it's not anything that we could figure out we're generally on good terms with the dwarves and since they live directly underneath us it's not typically in their best interest to anger the dryads or the other creatures that rely on the sacred grove could there be someone else using the dwarf holes? There could be, um, but we haven't been able to suss that out yet, so to speak, if that's the source. Well, I definitely want to see some of the area. I think that'd be All wise. Right. All right. So, um, okay. So actually I am going to make you roll for that um, just because it can give you a head start. So somebody needs to roll plus mind. Whoever has the best mind stat should roll plus mind. I have one. I have two. I have one. I think it's Charlie by a wide margin. Yeah, so Charlie wanders over and... Yippee. Gail, uh, I'll let this uh, this fellow sort out the, co- the coordination. Right, so uh, yeah, so he, he gives you a nod, Iroh, and he gives like looks at Charlie and you guys start discussing the deal. All right, so we start discussing the deal as if by a roll of the die. We come to an agreement as nine approaches the roll thingy 
I like how you tried to code it in there. <laughs> I felt As immersed. the clock strikes nine. <laughs> oh, that's very good. You do get the job, uh, obviously. Oh, thank um, goodness. <laughs> you get to choose one from the list below, which is uh, the employer provides useful information. The employer provides useful assets, as in gear that you can use. The job pays very well, and the meeting does not attract attention. All right, okay, well, A, he's already in our secret lair, which is... So we attention doesn't matter. We're good, right? Do we really need to get hella paid? Yes. I think so, too. Vex, <laughs> Vex wants to get hella paid. Right. I mean, I've got plenty, right? Right. Y'all got... Iroh I'd, and Fox have cash for days. I think Fox mostly has cash for days. Mm. I don't know if Iroh does. I don't have any money. <laughs> okay. I'll <laughs> share my money with Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have, like, a job, but I also have habits. As a player... I'd be really interested to see what kind of uh, toys they have to give us. That sounds cool, right? Or the information, if they could possibly know somewhere to start other than the Grove. I mean, that'll probably get us through the mission faster. What do we say? Mission or toys? Toys. I say information. Toys. <laughs> I vote for toys, but it's up to you. Looks like toys win. Yes, I am outvoted. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to we're gonna get through the mission when we... Well, Son, you're going to get toys and you're going to like gonna them. We're going to get some cool toys. That's pretty badass. <laughs> I, I need more stuff to Sit do down. We're going to assemble because... Gundams, whether you want to or not. Ah, fine. So, Gail, I'm very interested in helping you as much as I possibly can. We. We. That's French for yes. <laughs> <laughs> Druid guy. <laughs> what can you offer us in return for doing a bang-up job on fixing your forest? Well... Okay, you can so, think about it if you want. Well, I don't want to rush so you. The thing is, though, this is not um, the useful assets. If you choose the assets option, you're not necessarily getting like bonus gear at the end of the job. It's you're like getting it you're, getting, you're getting something to help you complete the job, which might be completely useless outside of the job. The useful assets that you get are like something that will help you complete the mission. The useful information you get is something to help you complete the mission. Job paying well is self-explanatory and the meaning attracting attention is... Also fairly self-explanatory, I think. So are you still going with assets? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what was the other one? I'm getting paid. We don't really care about money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no, I want That money. is explicitly not money. true. <laughs> I care about money. You care about money. I care about trees. <laughs> you care about trees. We're going to save the trees. trees. We're going to get paid. Money is made I from I care trees. about getting this the fuck over with. <laughs> yeah, this all seems like super unnecessary. Um, Money. Get paid well. Let's just get paid well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think we've definitely argued in character for 15 minutes in front of Gail yeah. <laughs> about all of this. Okay, right. So, yeah, so you get you get paid extra money. I'll figure out. I, we haven't been paying super close attention to money. But, yeah, let's just say you managed to, uh, via arguing about what your approach should be, et cetera, et cetera, you managed to negotiate up to, like, twice what you were originally going to get paid. Hell yeah. So... Great job negotiating. Everybody can mark an XP for that. Wait, really? Yes. <laughs> Even though that was a trash fire, it's still one of the mission objectives. Where, Do I get an extra XP? Did it put our mission at risk that I wanted the money more than I wanted assets? <laughs> no, but good try. The mission objectives for this mission are once you find out what's harming the Sacred Grove, you get to mark XP. Once you locate the threat, you get to mark XP. And once you neutralize it, you get to mark 2 XP. Okay. So he agrees to pay you. Are there any other questions that you have for him before he leaves and you guys get started trying to formulate a plan of attack? Are there any like shady people that you've seen that are trying to, I don't know, shoot me that might shoot me on this on this mission? I don't want to deal with them unless I'm killing them. 
Um, he looks at you for a minute and like blinks once or twice, and then he's like, "No, I don't. Um, I don't know anybody who's planning on shooting you. As far as I know, everyone that." could be at fault here is magical which I guess doesn't preclude that they won't use guns but I would think that they I'm magical would... and I use hella guns okay well I'm I... just saying have you seen any like shady people like hanging around or like were they wearing gray coats for some reason I don't know we haven't seen anybody wearing gray coats we have seen he tells you that they've seen they've seen some people that they suspect are magic users but they aren't sure what group of the magic users they belong to they've seen uh, like a month or two, a couple months ago, um, before the problem started, they saw so, there were some people hanging around, like after dark, behaving somewhat suspiciously. But they like didn't get a good look at who they were, and something about their attire like made them think that they were possibly magic users. All right, it sounds like you're stereotyping magic users, but okay. Yeah, it's kind of judgy. Are they? He's a magic tanks? user. Yeah, and I dress completely different than he does. Well, they were wearing like fucking robes with occult symbols on them and shit. No chill, those guys. <laughs> No chill at all. They just like went for it. Yeah. It seemed to me that what you were saying is that there are sort of randomized spots in the grove that are being affected, right? And I know that you guys did your own analysis, but I'd like to do perhaps some of my own. Is there a place from which I can see the grove from above? The highest point. What's the highest point? And how do I get there if so? So there are a couple of like especially tall trees um, that you could try climbing. Uh, you could possibly try going up the mountains to the south of the city, but that seems like an extremely, it would be, that would take like a solid day's worth of effort. Like if you went to the mountains south of the city and then like got to a vantage point where you could see the groves and that wouldn't be like a perfect aerial shot. On the other hand, you could probably also um, try to find a dirigible. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. This is the kind of city that had that sort of thing. Yeah. Or even I, like a balloon or something. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You said that word really fast. I was looking to see if I had a spell for like levitation, but I do have teleport. Okay. Oh, so just teleport straight up. Like <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, and then fall. Fall. back before yeah. they die. Okay. Well, I want to think about that. I'd like to do some analysis of my own. That's all. If we wanted to do a little uh, analysis on the ground, you uh, mark a spot where you've seen some of this uh, death and decay that we can investigate. He says, yeah, um, yeah, we can do that. For while you guys are working on this, you have complete access to the Grove. I know that we're not always super welcoming to outsiders, but while you're working on this, you can come and go as you please. If you want to analyze anything on the ground or in the trees, as it were, um, show up and you can tell them that I sent you and they'll know what you're talking about. All right. Thank you. All right. Any other questions for him before he pieces out and you figure out what you're going to do? Yeah, Gail, how do you spell your name? G-A-L-E. Are there any questions that you think I should be asking you that I'm not? Uh, Nope, you're the professional. I always ask people that when I'm interviewing for a job. (laughs) He leaves, and now you get to figure out how you're going to split up and tackle this problem. I have one more question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, don't don't apologize. I screwed up. If we need to get back in touch with him, how do we get in touch with him? He gives you like a particular, if you need to get back in touch with him, you can find him in the Grove. Okay. Um, okay. He gives That's you like fine. a particular location. Okay. Uh, we can. Third wait. tree on the right. Yeah. Got something it. like that. But it's not going to be particularly difficult to get a hold of him. Yeah. If you need to get a hold of him, you can. Got it. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. So then he pieces out like the wind, like his namesake. And now you get to figure out, <laughs> now you get to figure out how to approach this problem and how you're going to split up. All right. Well, I definitely want to check out the Grove. I think I could be helpful there. I think figuring out uh, if we can ID these folks that they spotted uh, snooping around might be worthwhile. 
Like a stakeout? Well, uh, that would imply that we have a location to analyze. I was thinking maybe chat with some folks, get a better description of them, and then oh, see if we can... Uh, right, hit so, the pavement. And I thought yeah, you were saying, like, stakeout the, stake the, the stake out. Yeah. You know, I've lived in this city my entire life, and I've never been to this grove before. Well... How big is it? Have you guys been there? It's real big, yeah. It's real big. Real big? It's a big... Uh, it's a it's like neighborhood, it's, basically. It, Oh. It's real nice. You're going to be impressed. Really? Yeah, I know I know some of you don't necessarily like trees as much as I do. <laughs> Once you go to this place. A.K.A. all of us. <laughs> yeah, Fox is Quiet not about some. the mud. <laughs> I need to do research and figure out what I can. I have a tome that's in my Sanctum Sanctorum, um, so I'll need to go get that. I'm sorry? I have a tome. I got that one. Then my Sanctum Sanctorum. That one I'm having trouble with. That's just what it's called. I don't have a definition for <laughs> what's, it. What's called? I don't know what it is. It's my sanctum. It's like it's like I, my library that where I keep like relics and things. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. Magic stuff just. <laughs> it's okay. My it's library. Fast. I know, right? That I need to go get and I need to go do research. I don't know really. I don't want to go by myself. I don't want to make it a one person mission, but I think this is a big part of it is trying to do the research. So. Well, that sounds if there's like a paranormal kind of investigation, like snooping out the scene of the crime, so to speak. Than that, plus maybe like going to the Grove to do a, an investigation of one of these sites might be one path. Okay, I'm gonna be best anywhere that fighting is happening, theoretically. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you gotta keep a cool head sometimes, you know. I, I know you like the action part of it. And yeah, you've yeah. Proving yourself what well versed, but it's not necessarily always the best approach. Yeah, you gotta. Well, you know that's what I'm best at, theoretically. Again, you're good at a lot of stuff. Oh, okay. thank you, Dad. Iros <laughs> doesn't say anything, but he doesn't look hey, like he's Hey, at least I don't sure. call you Daddy, okay? I can <laughs> well, make this way bad. worse. <laughs> okay, so Vex is going to go do Sanctum Santorum. Iro and Nancy want to go on the ground? Yeah. What do you want to do? What if we all went to the Grove and looked at one of these sites just, just real quick? just go with Vex, and then yeah. we'll meet you at the Grove. Okay. So you want to go by yourself and, yeah. like things that you guys don't like. <laughs> okay, and what do you want to do, Fox? Do you want to go with them to the Grove? Uh, yeah, I'll go to the Grove. Okay, cool, in case they need some fighting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, I've got a real clever idea. This could be cool. You this always have ruin. a clever idea, Charlie. Oh, shucks. I said idea. So, like, yeah, um, if there's an important message that we need to pass back and forth when we're not talking to each other, a thing we may be able to do is leave a note with Gail, since he's our contact in the, in the place. Or Dolores. Or Dolores, right. So that, you know, we could use our people to, you know, if we're not going to see each other, this could be a way to communicate at, at least slowly uh, if we find some information. Yeah. If, if we're apart for a prolonged period. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you want to roll for Sanctum? Do you want to do the Sanctum Sanctorum now? Just to, like, get that going? Okay. Um. So Vex and Charlie uh, go back to her apartment. So he gets in her sidecar and we have room, room. It's not actually very far. It's like a few blocks. So it's like road trip. <laughs> it's not even worth it. But we high five each other on the way. I don't know. Charlie's never actually, I don't think Charlie's ever been in Vex's apartment before. You know what? I've never been in her apartment before. It's kind of small and dark and kind of dusty. You know what? It's kind of small and dark and dusty in here. <laughs> well, don't mind the ghost. He's, or whatever he is. I don't even know if he's a ghost, but don't mind him. He's really chill. It's cool. I'm just going to stand here and look at my shoes. Yeah, that's probably best. You can sit on the side of the couch that doesn't have a pile of clothes on it. 
I just need to go in the other room and do this. And if you hear anything scary, then you might want to run in. All right. I'll just sit here. And then if I hear anything, you you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Keep repeating me. Okay. And then I just need to roll. Uh, so Vex goes into the room that she has where it's like basically where she keeps her apothecary. That's also the roll top desk. But it's like basically your bedroom. But she just needs privacy. And like, I imagine that like, if she moves her bed, you can see that there's like a summoning circle, like underneath where her bed is. And so she does what she needs to do there. And she starts to uh, perform Sanctum Sanctorum, trying to find a tome that helps her out. And she rolls a seven. I've got something close, but it's flawed or lacking in some significant way. Oh, wait, we have links. Wait, but for that to be working, I'm going to be a little harder on you guys for assists now. Because he's not in the Room. Yeah, well, he's and how would Charles realistically? How would Charles be helping with this? Is the thing because like for him to be assisting you, he needs to be actively helping, and he's not a magic right. user. Well, how about I send you some thoughts and prayers? <laughs> thoughts and prayers don't do anything. Fuck. You're right he can about hold that. her hand and just copy whatever she's channeling. No, he's in the other room. It's fine. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, but I tried. Okay. Uh, so I get something close, but not exactly what I need. Okay, cool. Find what you need. So do you want, how do you want this information presented? Do you find a book? Do you have a vision? Like, how do you, how do you picture this information being presented to Vex? I think you should probably define that. Cause I don't know if, it, I don't know what it is. So if it's like an, like some sort of magical illness, then maybe it's in a book. But if it's like some sort of event that is making this happen, then it would have, it would be more of a vision. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. So the reason I asked was just because, um, just to clarify my intent with asking there was just that like when you were, um, like I didn't know if you were thinking that like if it was like a summoning spell or, but I, yeah, I think that probably, so like what a happens? Book would fall off a shelf or something yeah. in your apartment. Well, okay. So what? literally what it says is I go to my sanctum for an ingredient, a relic, a tome, Oh, wait, I'm supposed to roll with spirit. What's your spirit? Two, so I got an eight, so it's still the same. Okay. So, yeah, it's probably something physical. Okay. So, what happens is um, that, like, an old, old book um, sort of materializes on the ground in front of you and then flips to a page. Um, there is, like, one page, and then several of the following pages are missing out of this section. And this page that is the the page that's still in the book in the section that's not missing is talking about curses performed on like the life source of a particularly powerful person place or thing by taking an element of it like say dirt or hair in the case of a human and then taking it someplace else and binding it with a magical object that is then used to drain the life force i don't know exactly what it is but i know it's a curse are you uh- are you telling me? I'm just talking out loud. Oh, okay. You're just- I got the information that I need. So um, I go, I'm probably like, I think I, I imagine that I was like on my knees as I was doing this. I get off my knees. Um, I go out back into the living room and I'm like, all right, Charlie. Well, I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't do as good as I could have done, but I'm pretty sure that this is a curse or a hex of some sort. Probably something that somebody took like some dirt or something from the sacred grove. And so it's not there. It's probably whatever it is probably isn't at the sacred grow but somebody might have seen whoever was casting this curse or was like going to pick up stuff to do a hex so i think that the sacred grove i gotta figure it out all right awesome so basically i guess i guess the other guys are gonna find out hopefully who those people were that were chilling out in those garish robes right and then if we can find out where they're from then that might get us in the vicinity of where this thing is that's doing the draining yeah you're right. Okay, cool. I'm really thing. glad that we came to do this. Well, I like what you've done with the place. <laughs> Thanks. All right. 
As Charlie and Bex leave the apartment, the camera pulls away and we see the city sprawled below. If we look hard enough, we might see Iro, Fancy, and Fox weaving their way through the streets on the way to the Sacred Grove. And that's where we'll catch up with them next time in Serendipity City. Thanks for listening to Serendipity City. All of our player and cast information is in the show notes. And some exciting news, we now have a Discord server. There's a channel for Serendipity City where you can discuss all your conspiracy theories and ask any questions you have. In other ways, we're changing things up. Instead of NPC names being a Patreon-only bonus, you can now be entered in the NPC name lottery by tagging us on Twitter with a tweet about the show or writing a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts and tweeting a screen cap at us. Last but not least, there's been some changes to the Patreon. Among other things, we're only a few dollars away from our first goal, and once we meet that, we'll do a bonus episode of Serendipity City with me as a player playing Fiasco, which is a really fun game that's very well suited to the tone and sort of mythos of Serendipity City. If you want to see that happen, as well as getting sneak peeks behind the scenes content, NPCs named after you, or other bonus stuff, make sure to check out the Patreon. The link is in the description, and it's also on our site at serendipitypod.com. Now that all of that is out of the way, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr at the links in the description. Many thanks to patrons like Melody Burton for making it possible for me to spend more time on this. We're playing a combination of The Sprawl by Hamish Cameron and Urban Shadows by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz-Truman, with a few things added in here and there from Dungeon World by Sage Latora and Adam Kowal. All of these are hacks of Apocalypse World. Sound effects and music were a combination of public domain and free-to-use and battle bards. There's a full track list in the episode description. Our next episode will go up May 8th. If you're enjoying the show, please consider rating and reviewing or telling a friend about us. That's the only way we find new listeners. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.